When you feel a spark inside about something, an unsatiated curiosity, it's one of the simplest joys of life and you have to follow that. For me, that was winemaking and grape growing. It allowed me to be a creator in collaboration with nature, and that is incredible. This podcast is meant to explore that curiosity, to learn, to teach, and to connect with those who create and contribute to this fascinating process. Welcome to The Punchdown. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into The Punchdown. This episode is called One in a Semillon, and you'll find out why towards the end, but my guest truly is One in a Semillon. I'm talking with Lauren Barker today. Lauren is the Quality Assurance Supervisor at Stratus Vineyards. She's a whiz in the lab and runs over 30 different tests on her wines. We discuss what testing she, she does at different stages of a wine's life, what tests she thinks a winery should be performing at a minimum, and some of the quality control she does to ensure a smooth and safe bottling. We're going to have to record a part two to dive deeper because there's just way too much to touch on in this show. And not only is Lauren an expert in the lab, but she is also a ton of fun to talk to. So grab a glass of local wine, bring out your best wine puns, and enjoy the show. Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me today. How's it going? Good. Very excited to be here. Awesome. Okay, first order of business. Uh, What you got in your glass? You drinking anything tonight? Um, I have an iced tea going and a bench Lincoln lager. Oh, nice. Mm. I'm having a beer too. I'm having a stout from Prince Eddie's, um, which is a local brewery here in Picton. Nice. Yeah. But the only thing is it's um, 10% alcohol. So uh, I'm going to have to <laughs> sip it really slow. Otherwise, this podcast might get a little out of hand. So. <laughs> um. All right, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where you're from? What do you do? Sure. Um, so I am the quality assurance supervisor at Stratus. I've been I was born and raised in Beamsville. Um, I come from a very long line of grape growers, actually. You might not know this about me. Um, my grandfather actually grew up on a vineyard as well. Um, in Grimsby so that was still a family vineyard for many years but my grandfather took a step back when he married my grandmother and moved to their own farm which my family still owns too but there's not a lot of grapes on that farm it's more apples and pears so yeah I have a great uncle that was on the GGO board so it uh runs real deep and um my dad, he uh, works for Artera, which used to be Constellation, which used to be Brights. Um, he's been working there since for over 30 years. So that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And is that kind of what led you into the wine industry or kind of how did you enter the, the wine space on your own? Um, so in 2014, after I graduated, I um, my dad was like, hey, there's this position opening at Jackson Triggs for a cellar hand. Maybe that would be something you'd be interested in. And I said, sure, why the heck not? So <laughs> I, uh, I did a vintage there and yeah. The rest is history, right? Exactly. You got bit by the bug. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. And, uh, what did you study at university and, and where did you go for that? Um, so I studied microbiology at the University of Guelph for four years. So I have a BSc. Awesome. And um, maybe this is a bit of a loaded question, but have you found that helpful for your current role? 
Oh, geez. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, so I took a lot of classes in more towards the microbiology aspect, but there was a class that I ended up taking that did have to do with yeast. And um, I've also taken a industrial microbiology class, which um, we actually did a uh, trip down to Niagara at some point in that that oh, class cool. to one of the wineries down here um for the life of me I couldn't I can't remember which one it was <laughs> but I wasn't into wine at that point I had no idea that I would land where I am today so uh yeah that's awesome um and how many harvests have you done now um seven harvests um I've been at Stratus since 2014 um, I did a harvest at Jackson Triggs in 2014, but I'm currently on mat leave and I uh, had another one. So I, I <laughs> missed out on two of them, but that's okay. Yeah, that's I all right. Still, I, still, uh, I still ask lots of questions while I'm away. Like, is everything okay? Like, oh, I believe that. <laughs> and, and I'm sure they're equally reaching out to you every now and then too, right? <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, awesome. So... During harvest, especially I know in your role at Stratus, oftentimes you're the only lab person. Um, so you're working a lot of hours. So how do you stay sane when you're working that many hours during harvest? Um, how do I stay sane? I Or, or do like, you stay sane? <laughs> <laughs> um, I try my best, but mostly um, I find my work environment and the team there really strives to give us at least one day a week off. So um, I kind of plan my extra stuff around my one day a week and I know it's coming eventually. <laughs> um, otherwise, I'd like to also um, kind of give myself some grace. Like if something can be left for tomorrow, I'm going to leave it for tomorrow so I don't get frustrated or overworked or overtired. I do that like for myself if it's not and I'll be all urgent I yeah. just wait and I'll do it in the morning because I'll be back <laughs> you know you'll be back yeah exactly oh that's good and maybe you mentioned this uh, but how long have you been at Stratus and um, if you could tell us a little bit about kind of what your experience has been so far I have been at Stratus for eight years now wow. um so I originally started out as their lab technician. Um, my first several years there, I did have a helper in the lab. I know at some point you helped me in the lab. Yeah. Um, but during harvest, um, sometimes I get an extra helping hand. And um, when I came back from my mat leave in 2020, we uh, discussed some stuff and we had some reshuffling of some positions. So I took over some other duties um most of it has to do with uh bringing stuff like things in for uh bottling and mm -hmm. otherwise which a lot of the quality control for that stuff i had been doing anyways but mm -hmm. i just took a little bit more of like a role in ordering and stuff like that from another person's position gotcha Awesome. And so I guess let's jump into some of the lab stuff, because this is definitely the lab and the QC is your forte. So um, can you tell us like some of the standard testing that you do on the wines? 
Um, so that's that's a loaded question too. So um, really, we do different kind of like standardized testings at different times of the year. Right. So it's kind of more broken down into like what time of year is it, what stage the wine is at, and what we want to know about the wine at that stage. So we actually have, I counted, uh, at least 30 different analysis that we do. That's crazy. And 13 different pieces of equipment, which is uh, wow, amazing because it's lots of fun to work with that stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so depending on the wines, different stages. So when stuff is still in the vineyard, we do lots of mat controls, which consist of like TA, pH, um, bricks, um, malic acid. And um, that is usually followed up by some, some tasting of like the juice. So that's definitely something the winemakers do. And then um, when the grapes come in, we do similar testing on them. And there's a couple more things that we like to do at that time too. We do like nitrogen and lacase, just kind of other things that we can think of that we might want to know to kind of like hit the wine with different um, products and stuff. The winemakers like to kind of understand what we're dealing with before we start the rest of our process on it. So that's kind of like during harvest and pre-harvest. And then um, during harvest, I check every single tank every morning <laughs> um, when everything's fermenting. So I do that as well. And then um, once we finish, um, the fermentation has finished on the wine, we do like a full-blown analysis of like alcohol, TA, pH, um, VA, residual sugar, um, mallow if needed. And uh, yeah, so once the wine is done, there's a lot of things to kind of go over. And yeah. uh, then uh, once we get into putting one into barrel or to rest for a couple months, up to two years, um, we check VA free sulfur and total sulfurs. And then um, at some times during the year when we're ready to bottle things, we do a whole nother set of analysis, which we like to make sure that all of our alcohols line up and we also do density, oxygen, filterability, NTU, heat and cold stabs with all of that stuff to make sure our wines are um, stable mm -hmm. and ready to be put into bottle. That's awesome. So you guys really do like the full gamut of lab testing in the winery, which is cool. Um, something that stood out to me was the lacase testing. Um, obviously that's like to test for botrytis, right? Or see if botrytis is, has been affected, but how do you test for that? So there is a gluconic acid kit that you can get that we occasionally use, especially when we kind of want to know um, for that things are botrytis. <laughs> like for our, we make a semion that um, is, Size. Yeah. How do I say that word? Ostracized. <laughs> so, cool. Yeah. yeah. So you would test it more for products like that. That would um, like if you're doing Definitely. like botrytis affected stuff. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so neat. Um, 
So I guess that was also this ties into a little bit about what you were talking about, but I know that you're really big on the quality control side of things, especially, um, well, you had mentioned like throughout the, it's aging throughout the elevage, like you do a lot of testing, but um, also like, could you touch on what the quality control kind of looks like on your bottling line and even on maybe some of the library wines that you guys have, like your kind of future testing, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So um, our bottling line, we mainly um, use ATP swabs for a quick check. We want to make sure that ATP is low. That hopefully correlates to no microbes present before we start bottling. Mm -hmm. um, we also take swabs and plate afterwards just to kind of um, make sure that our ATPs are working the way we want them to. So hopefully the ATP is telling us the same, the plate is telling us that we are good to go. There is no microbes, there is no yeast, there's nothing present that is going to um, hurt that wine on its way through. Cool. Um, even do that when we are not filtering a wine just to, for our own peace of mind to make sure there's nothing contaminating bottling equipment before um, it goes through. Oh, awesome. And do you like test on the hour or like morning, evening kind of thing? Or how often on the line would you test? Um, we test on the line in the morning and usually on our lunch break just to keep it up and make sure that we are good to go. Oh, cool. That's neat. Yeah. And do you, would you plate do like a plate every day as well with the ATP, like just to kind of offset it or? Yeah, definitely. We, um, I'll, I will do a plate for multiple parts on the bottling line. So um, the filler heads or um, where the corks are coming out and things like that. So um, we ATP swab all of it and then we do micro tests on it too. So there's more than one point that we like to check. Gotcha. And do you ever see differences like between like, is the ATP testing pretty accurate? Um, yeah, it's pretty accurate. It gives us a good like uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. We were good to bottle type of thing. Um, the other thing we do quality control uh, every year is uh, check on what we have still available. So a lot of times we hold wines back to be re-released. Um, we have like a last drop program right now. So that's all these wines that have been hanging out. We've been keeping them just to be able to age them ourselves and uh, re-release them. Um, so every year I go over all of those wines and make sure that the sulfur is good to go, um, that we haven't had any uh, re-fermentation, sediment, um, wine diamonds anything like that we're kind of looking to just make sure um it's still happy so uh the winemakers will taste that as well and they that's really the ultimate thought like okay we're still happy with this wine it's uh it hasn't really aged out and uh all of it's not pre-fermenting and it's having a good time <laughs> Yeah, you bottled it well. So that's good. Yeah, it's so smart to keep those wines back and back on reserve. And you can kind of see because we're still a pretty young industry. So to know how our wines age um, is really important to kind of 
you know, study that. So it's cool that you guys have such a comprehensive library. I know when I was there with you, um, I think they had to build an extra shelving unit on top of the current one because they they oh, yeah. we ran out of space, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not the best job but it it does the trick yeah we exactly have, we have a massive we have a massive wine uh wine library just to hold on to stuff um for our own tasting and uh for a lot of the time we also are using it for future blending so in the right. future when the winemakers want to blend something similar um we like to taste that stuff as well yeah something to compare to that's awesome um so what kind of testing do you think that every winery should be doing like at a minimum because you guys test um quite a for quite a bit of things but at a minimum what would you say wineries should be looking for okay i believe my answer for that is um va free sulfur checks as well as like the major one would be taste your wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Yeah. And then VA sulfur, uh, you would say people should be looking for that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That, that definitely gives you a good uh, idea of what's kind of going on in, like in your cellar, what's going on everywhere else. Um, pH would be the third one, in my opinion, mm -hmm. to be looking at. I think, I think a lot of smaller wineries those are the things that they do check because in reality you could check your alcohol once once you've sent it in and stuff like that um mm -hmm. yeah yeah good call it's all about like keeping those wines more stable right and some of those uh, more volatile things like VA and sulfur you definitely want to keep an eye on so how often do you test the wines do you do it like monthly yeah, so we uh, we do, we test our wine that's kind of hanging out in the cellar every month. Um, and then, like I said, we, we do um, like a large bat, like lots of testing right at the beginning. And once our fermentation is done and then lots of testing um, before we bottle and we even um, test after we bottle. So... <laughs> after the line comes off the line, we do um, oxygen and um, flavonoids and cool. some of the really cool tests. That's pretty neat. Pretty unique, I'd say. Yeah. The other really neat um, test that we like to do actually is um, phenolic measurement using the fallen cat Chicky Calto method. That's the one that we um, keep grapes over um, over the winter, and we don't do it till like the next summer oh. um, to figure out how how like the concentration of tannins is when we pick. So oh. we've also gone over and done it in the wine now to to kind of make a comparison and uh, to kind of see what else is going on. So. <laughs> that one I always have to go back to the book for this particular test and and because I only do it once a year but it's mm -hmm. a lot of fun some of these and um the other test that I really enjoy doing is also a flat like the flavonoids test because the flavonoid test that 
it makes such like a pretty array of colors because it's a like a, a color metric um uh cool test. Mm -hmm. and um that one I put in the spec and figure out what all are, what kind of uh, flavonoids all our white wines have as well that's so cool and uh do, like do you know why you test for those like is it because they'll bind oxygen or um why do you test for flavonoids um I think it was just because um Ontario wines white wines produced in Ontario are often um discolored prematurely mm. um it's just kind of something that we like to know what's going on before and if we need to sell it faster really <laughs> that's yeah I had this theory so here in the county, I worked with some hybrid grapes and uh, one in particular was Frontenac Gris. And um, it was always, uh, it would be like this beautiful pink color throughout ferment. And then as soon as it neared the end of ferment and that carbon dioxide was gone, it would quickly switch over to like this gross brown color. And I could never maintain that beautiful pink. And it was like the bane of my like every year because I would try and I assumed it had to do with the flavonoids and that the, the the hybrid grapes maybe had higher concentrations of these flavonoids so I tried everything I could do to kind of bind either the oxygen or or whatever I could do to try and get to eliminate that so that the browning wouldn't occur I never succeeded um but I had a theory it was the flavonoids but I don't know so maybe I should have sent you some samples and you could have yeah. tested it for yeah. me because that would have been so cool to see but anyway so with all your testing that you do how do you make sure that you stay calibrated and that you're you trust your results um so uh, the the way we keep uh our lab calibrated is um through a company that does collaborating collaborative testing mm -hmm. um, it's a service out of the states and they send us two bottles of wine every four like each season so like four times a year okay and um they send those four bottles of wine we test them we send our numbers in and it's not like you have to bang on whatever their number is it's like all kinds of different wineries from the states and hopefully Canada <laughs> and other places <laughs> around um all of these other wineries they send their numbers in too so it's kind of more of like um you don't you're not really right or wrong you're more like are you on point with all of these other wineries and all of these other calibrations? So gotcha. that's a super awesome program that we, uh, we love just to like keep us on track. So if we do see something that's a little bit out of range, um, depending on what test it is, because some of our testing isn't as um, particular as some of the other wineries, but mm -hmm. um, most of the time we can kind of like raise red flag, um, dial ourselves in more, figure out what else we can do to just like make sure we're on with the rest of the wineries next time. We also use a product called Titravin in a pinch. So the Titravin, that one actually does come with parameters that's supposed to be like within a certain um, range um, so that one's more of like a quick test for when we're like super desperate and we just kind of feel like something's off. So either like okay. me or the winemaker would be like, you know what, that's not quite right. 
let's see what we can do about it. Let's mm -hmm. use our ticker bin and um, make sure that we're still in a window. Because sometimes we can get crazy numbers in the lab and then they don't believe that I've been doing things the right way. But in reality, <laughs> most of the time, it's just like, yep, that's the crazy number we're getting. We might have to do something about it. So um, yeah, that, that one's a really good uh, resource as well, but it doesn't do sulfur, which is kind of annoying because okay. most of the time that would be the one that you'd, uh, you'd want it want. to do as well. Like, yeah, it does it accurate. Like, yeah, it does like alcohol, TA, pH, uh, VA type of thing. So kind of your like bread and butter of uh, lab tests. So that's nice to make sure that you're on target, especially mm -hmm. during harvest and when mm -hmm. things get a little crazy. Yeah, that's awesome. Sounds like a good program, like the one the one from California that you do. And um, probably like you've been doing this for quite a few years now. So probably when you see a result that's a little askew, you, you're you probably pretty in tune with, you know, that it might be off, right? Like when you see it, you're probably like, ah, I should probably check that one, run that oh, test yeah, again. So I'm definitely like the second tester. If I know that like one of the winemakers will complain to me about what the number is, I'll be like, no, no. Uh, already tested number two I it again. <laughs> this is where it where it's at no for sure but um we also occasionally will use like Brock's lab and stuff um mm -hmm. pinch as well to to make sure that we have the same numbers as they do so they're they're the kind of bigger lab in Niagara to like compare ourselves to gotcha awesome Okay, we'll switch gears here a little bit. I'll ask you a couple of quick fire questions and you can um, answer as long or short as you like. So is there any software that you use or that you would recommend to use for, for labs? So I don't necessarily use any crazy software in the lab, but uh, at Stratus we use Winemakers Database and uh, it's probably not the best program to uh, hang out in, but um all of our data has been there forever so um even if we we were talking to them about upgrading to the next level of winemakers database it would just be it's just like such a big we just do like so much testing and like so much tracking that it'd be so much data to move over so we're kind of stuck the way, the way that we are gotcha. um i know that at uh Artera and Jackson Trace they were still on like a DOS system so at least we're not there <laughs> you're like one step up <laughs> that's good though. yeah I mean a lot of wineries just use like um you know Google Drive or Excel to kind of track everything so even the fact that you have a actual wine program where you can even input like lab stuff is uh is kind of a little bit ahead of the game believe it or not yeah. <laughs> it's useful it's yeah. definitely useful especially um to look back and uh, kind of make sure that everything is is still um going well right mm -hmm. yep awesome okay so what's your favorite part of the wine industry um I think my favorite part of the wine industry is uh like making wine and being involved in like Niagara farmers livelihoods because like my family definitely comes from like a long long of like farmers even on my mom's side my dad's side everybody's involved everybody's farmed 
at least once in their well, like at least for a portion of their lives. So that's cool. um, I really pride myself that I can be involved and still like be a part of Niagara as um, farmers. That's awesome. And what's your least favorite part of the wine industry? Um, I think my least favorite part as sometimes uh, people in the wine industry can like come off as pretentious when in reality <laughs> we just like love our jobs so much that we just want to <laughs> and we don't want to stop. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, sometimes um, wine can be associated with ego, right? But yeah, you're right. There's this when you're passionate about something, it's hard to not talk about it. <laughs> definitely especially if like somebody tells you you know a random conversation and asks you what you do or um asks you something about wine and then like you're like well there, here's the end of the night I'm just going to talk to this person <laughs> all night about everything I know hey they signed up for it they asked right <laughs> <laughs> um so do you have any favorite grapes that you like to work with um I would definitely say my favorite grape would be Petit Verdot, just because I Ooh, feel cool. like it's so um, unique to <laughs> Niagara. I know a couple other wineries work with it too, but um, it's just like, I know when Petit Verdot comes in, it's just like these little, little tiny grapes and um, I love the resultant wine from it. So I'd have to say Petit Verdot. Mm, good one yeah that's kind of cool not the most common grape for Ontario but um one thing I've definitely learned about it is that it is pretty cold hardy which is kind of neat I didn't expect that from that grape but it does last survive the winter really well so very cool um what's one piece of lab equipment that you couldn't live without oh my my Anton Parr uh, density <laughs> meter <laughs> um 100 percent the <laughs> Anton Parr density meter does density it does the um temperature I would be out there for hours every morning <laughs> if I didn't have that thing it also does uh bricks and uh your alcohol so once you've distilled it it uh it gives you your alcohol um percentage as well so like that's my favorite piece of lab equipment I wouldn't say it's the most important but it's definitely one that saves me the most time and is very near and dear to my heart. That's an awesome answer. Yeah. Because if you're out there testing like your 20 to 30 tanks or whatever with the hydrometer and um, a thermometer, it could take quite a bit of time, right? So using your Anton Parr, just a little quick uh, thumb of the, uh, to get the volume up and that's it, right? That's yeah. awesome. Um, so what's one mistake that you've made that uh, you'll never make again? Um, so this wasn't at a Stratus lab, but uh, one time I mixed acid too fast <laughs> because when you mix acid, it gets very, very hot when you dilute it. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I'm not gonna make that mistake again. <laughs> I've also uh, dropped a little bit of acid on my pants and I've been like, Ooh. well, those are the garbage, like, yeah acid's not my friend I prefer the base <laughs> that's awesome did the acid like burn a hole like what kind of acid was it um uh I think it was hydrochloric acid it wasn't uh, a good situation it like got really hot like the container and I was just like so embarrassed because I should know better I was working in a lab with more than more than just me and I was like oh how do I 
Just like more eyes. Just like got more eyes and hope for the best. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. So what kind of advice would you give to someone who's new, who's uh, looking to kind of get a career in the lab sort of industry of, of the wine industry? Um, just ask questions and ask for um, opportunities. Um, I find a lot of the time that people that come into the wine industry, they're not, they're definitely not thinking about the lab or any other particular parts of the wine industry. But in general, you just need to always ask more questions, ask more um, for more opportunities. If you do want an, to, an experience in the lab or to work with a certain piece of equipment, just ask questions and, and um, that kind of goes for all the positions and um, just in general. That's awesome. Yeah. And one of my hopes for the show is that uh, it'll just help to kind of improve the Canadian wine industry overall. So um, is there like one thing you could think of that if the Canadian wine industry did better, we would sort of improve as a whole? Um, I just think that... Uh... You know, the grape growers of Ontario celebrated their 75th anniversary this year, which is kind of cool. And I just hope that we can, like, just keep growing grapes. Like, we just um, keep growing grapes, keep making great wine, and uh, definitely after this pandemic, uh, continue to um, buy local. Because I yeah. think that it's been, like, a huge push now that we've kind of been through the crazy COVID times. And I just like hope that that um, stays and everybody continues to want to support their, their local wineries, their local um, breweries, their just keep it up. Yeah. Keep the momentum going, right. Support local. Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Great advice. Um, Well, that's awesome. Is there anything else you wanted to add or talk about? Uh, yeah. So I just wanted to like, kind of, add my couple of suggested resources for like lab stuff so um but, yeah. we talked about um collaborative testing services the cts that we'd like to do mm -hmm. there's also a lab in california that we like to send all of our um wines that we don't filter to called ets labs um okay. we do scorpion analysis there to like kind of confirm that we're not going to have any trouble um with wines that aren't being filtered in the future mm -hmm. um there's a couple books out there that like if you're super interested in in lab stuff in general um I think they're by Patrick Eland um the chemical analysis of grape and wine and the microbial um sorry the microbiological analysis of grapes and wine um, both great resources, great books to kind of um, get into the uh, the chemical analysis has all of the tests that you can imagine in it. And the microbiological one, um, that one's really helpful to just know your spoilage organisms and all kinds of different yeasts and things that you're looking at under the microscope and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. Just wanted to add a couple of resources that would be helpful for anybody trying to um, keep their lab up to date or uh, start their lab. That's awesome. Great advice. And 
um, people should be reading those books anyways, right? Even if they're not uh, 100% uh, wanting to do the full lab side of it all, like we should all know what the spoilage organi organisms are and um, what kind of testing should be done. So those are great. Maybe um, I'll try and grab those names from uh, the names of the books from you and I'll put them in the show notes so that our listeners can kind of um, reference them if they'd like to kind of buy a copy. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. I really appreciate you coming on and talking to me about all your lab experience. And it's just nice to chat with you as well. So if people want to try some Stratus Wines, uh, where can they find you online? Um, Stratuswines.com, I believe. Awesome. And um, if anyone knows Lauren, she's all about the wine puns. So um, this is kind of off the cuff, but do you have one for us? <laughs> Uh, uh you're you're one in a semi <laughs> I love it we're gonna end it right on that <laughs> thanks Lauren <laughs> thanks so much for tuning in to the punch down if you enjoyed what you heard please hit subscribe tell your friends and make sure to support a Canadian winery we'll see you next time